0: Good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. It is a very warm and sunny Wednesday afternoon which is a nice change. Seems like every time I talk to you guys it's raining cats and dogs recently but today it is really sunny so I'm gonna have to figure out how to get the air conditioner going so that we don't uh, from each other out with the sound. So let's see if I can get that going here somehow. Get that just on the feet. There we go. We'll turn that up for a little bit. There'll be some white noise, but hopefully it'll cool down soon enough. Uh. Yeah. So going on with you guys? I'm sitting here sweating like a pig. You know, it's only the middle of May, May 16th to be exact, but man, it feels like it's definitely late June or something like that. Pretty warm, at least there's a little bit of a breeze. If I were in the shade, it'd be very, very pleasant actually. Ah, but enough about the weather. Uh, let's talk about sports. <laughs> Uh, no, but really, the uh, Celtics are opening up Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals in about less than 10 minutes, and I am a more or less lifelong Celtics fan. Uh, I've never grown up in a town where they had a uh, professional basketball team while well, I was there. Uh, there were teams that came after I left or that they were there before, in the case of St. Louis, and afternoon in the of city but other than that professional basketball wasn't really a thing I grew up with um, but discovered basketball playing it when I was uh, a young teen and got very interested in basketball and I remain a big basketball fan today I have a basketball goal outside my house I like to shoot around at. Uh, played on a few teams here and there. I played a little bit in high school, not much. Um, never been great, but love basketball nonetheless. It was one of the one of my refuges when I was a teen. Uh, I would, if things were going rough, I'd grab the basketball, go outside and just shoot by myself to think through things. That's um, so kind of a, a therapeutic for me, I guess, just shooting around at the goal. I do enjoy playing in games, but uh, in my age now, just nearly fifty, um, in my current level of fitness, uh, not, not much I can accomplish. Uh, best I can do is maybe coach. <laughs> Even then, I'd probably still pull a muscle. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love sports, and I love I love what the Celtics are doing this year. Um, team-wise, if you've if you've followed the Celtics, or any major sport really, you know that it's driven by superstars, what they call superstars. I suppose anybody that plays on a major league team is a star uh, to get to any uh, major league uh, level of a sport. uh, I I suppose we can consider you an amazing athlete and a star in your own right. But. Uh, the NBA especially I'd say is driven by superstars uh, and maybe it's because there's only five guys on the court at any given time uh, maybe it's because the intimacy of the audience is so close to the court um, maybe it's because you know basketball players don't wear helmets so you can see their faces much better than say uh, football especially and baseball to an extent because you know they wear hats um, so, I don't know, people maybe tend to relate to basketball players a little better than other sports. Maybe not. Maybe not. It just depends on your choice of sport. Um, maybe I'm just, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, projecting um, why, I'm, why I like basketball. Uh, anyway, the sports are, are driven by its superstars, uh, and generally a team has 15, 15 players. Uh, you have five starters. You have, and then you have bench players, right? Uh, the the five starters usually are the the best players, or at least the best the best five that seem seem to work together. But you'll always have your your superstar, one or two superstars, as your as your starter. Right? Very few superstars come off the bench. <clears throat> uh, and yeah, so. Major league sports uh, and all of the peripheral businesses and really industries that that revolve around it are very much driven by its superstars. And so, what you have this year is you have the the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by LeBron James, uh, who may go down as the best all-around player in the history of the game. Once he's done, he's at least. I would say, uh, for sure top five, uh, but at, at least right now, he's the best player in the game, right at this moment, but definitely one of the best. Okay, I'm gonna turn this down a little bit, it's starting to get a little cooler in here maybe, oh, that's why it's not getting cooler, <laughs> turn that, that should be better, trying to keep the, uh... air down to air, sound down to a minimum. So, <clears throat> yeah, so LeBron James uh, is the superstar of the Cavs and he's playing great right now. Uh, the Cavs just might be on their way to another finals appearance. Uh, and then you have the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics really have only about 12 guys on the roster because three of them are injured. Two of which are their superstars. Uh, so the Celtics have two superstars, they're both injured, they're not playing, they haven't played in months, uh, and yet the Celtics keep winning, playing great, unselfish team basketball. Now they they have some, I believe, budding superstars, but they're very, very young. We're talking uh, probably the starting five has an average age of something like 22 years old. Um, you know their veteran is just just a hair over 30, um, so they're a really young team. But they're they're coached by a very young coach as well. Uh, but he's widely considered to be the best coach in the NBA, um, and he gets the most out of his players. and The the Celtics are winning by playing great team basketball. They're they're sharing the ball. Uh, they don't complain when they're not on the court. Uh, they don't complain when they don't get the ball. Uh, they all try to do what's best for the team, whether that means uh, shooting the ball or, or, uh, or not getting the ball, right? Sacrificing their time with the ball to let others who have a better chance to score score. And so they're not trying to uh, be superstars in an individual way. They're trying to win as a team. And right now it seems to be working. We'll see how this game goes. Uh, A lot of people still expect uh, the Cavaliers to beat the Celtics, even though the Celtics are up 1-0 in this best-of-seven series, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, but it it still is true that the industry is driven by its superstars. Without them, people, uh, a certain uh, number of fans would get disinterested and not tune in and or buy the merchandise that surrounds these players Um, and so yeah uh, it's just interesting how there really are are two ways to win Uh, one is by one player who is amazingly uh, head and shoulders above the others and puts the entire uh, club on his back and wills them to victory. Uh, The other is is a team who uh, supports each other, uh, cheers for each other, uh, shares the ball, spreads it around, uh, and they win together uh, where no one person would necessarily stand head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, Now you might have an individual game where one player seems to have uh, stood out, but then the next game it's going to be somebody else, and the next game it'll be someone else, and, and so that's how the Celtics have done it this year, and it's worked in, in the absence of their uh, two best players. Uh, but I want to make a correlation, uh, and it's 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 not an easy correlation to make, uh, and correlation is not causation, we say, or I've heard that said anyway, but there seems to be a correlation with church, right? With, with evangelicalism. Evangelicalism seems to be driven by its superstars. Uh, And, and I'd say any, pretty much any, uh, organization probably could say the same. Uh, any individual, um, probably any individual denomination will, will also have its superstars, whether it's the founders, um, uh, the founders of the uh, denomination, or members of the denomination who have uh, distinguished themselves in other areas besides church. Uh, you know, everybody likes to, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses love to mention that Michael Jackson was Jehovah's Witness or, you know, whatever. Um, so it can be superstars who are actually um, active church leaders, uh, or it can be superstars who are just associated or affiliated with an organization. But either way, um, they mean a big deal. We love our we love our heroes. We uh, we love to uh, validate our existence uh, by association. With uh, greatness, with with other people who are um, uh, making a bigger difference than we are, perhaps, uh, and yet because we wear the same color, or uh, you know, the same in the case of sports, the same jersey, or or you know, whether uh, we we sing the same songs in church, or or have the same liturgy, or whatever, uh, we like to be associated with greatness. worlds, boasting about who's uh, in our denomination. I can remember you know, I grew up in churches of Christ uh, and I can remember talking about people like, (laughs) people who are oddly enough, even ex-members are uh, are a game, right? So uh, there was always the the talk that um, a lot of it, it turns out to be not true, which is interesting that we tell these kinds of lies in our uh, in these churches that are supposed to be, you know, bastions of morality, um, but, uh, you know, people like, uh, we talk about Amy Grant, who is or was a Church Christ person, or uh, we talk about uh, Weird Al Yankovic, uh, who, who is about the nerdiest uh, musician you can find. But but we were a pretty nerdy uh, <laughs> nerdy denomination, so we would claim him. And Anyway, it's just, you know, it's always happened. Since I was a kid, I remember people, you know, hearing people talk about, oh, this person used to be, but they've fallen away, you know, and they're really famous and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and I think every denomination probably does that. <coughs> Unless the people are so obvious... At, uh, or the denomination of so many people, it's just silly to talk about. Probably the Southern Baptists probably may not do it as much as the uh, the littler denominational cousins. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Christianity—and I mean uh, uh, uppercase Christianity—or or the Christian machine, or churchianity, or. Evangelicalism, or whatever you want to call it, is very much driven by its superstars. Uh, We love to meet these guys. We love to buy their books, uh, and/or women. Uh, We love to associate ourselves with them uh, in different ways, Um, and this this helps us validate the choice we've made uh, of which church to be a part of. Right, denomination to be. Interestingly enough, non-denominational churches do the same thing, uh, they still have their, their heroes. This is why something like evangelicalism, which is a much broader uh, moniker, if you will, or label that's given to many different denominations, uh, that kind of opens up the possibility of, of many more heroes in, in, in uh, associating ourselves with a wider, uh, a variety of uh, popular people of superstars if you will um, and I think it's interesting one of the one of the big superstars of evangelicalism is John Piper uh, John Piper and I, I I know I mentioned this before uh, a couple weeks ago that I was I, I had mentioned to people that I wasn't a big John Piper fan and there was a gasp a silence in the air, you know, as if, as if I had blasphemed with the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of thing. And that was kind of shocking to me. Um, I hadn't been around that in a while. Um, and I suppose there are authors that if somebody said the same thing to me, I would, I would have the same reaction. So I'm not excluding myself from, uh, this kind of thing. Um, we're all impressed by the people who are excellent in whatever area we are interested in. Right? We're impressed by uh, genius, uh, and I think probably, probably we will, always will be. Um, but I wonder uh, what that is. So I guess, and you know, we could go several ways, but let's boil it down to an individual congregation, because individual congregations also have a name for their superstars uh, and usually it's pastor It might be preacher uh, it might be this or that but generally it's minister pastor or preacher and that person is the superstar in your church and like it or not most traditional churches are uh, Pushed forward by, <clears throat> or driven by, um, their pastor, preacher, or minister—big um, time, big time. Uh, I've got a cousin who, you know, just can't stop saying, "Well, my my pastor says what my pastor says, what my pastor says," uh, and it's this this constant, uh, you know, semi-worship of. Of the superstars that are in your congregation, they're they're a very big deal. Uh, they wield a lot of influence, uh, and uh, they receive uh, not just worship, but they receive tribute as well. You know, uh, they probably receive more favor uh, than the other people in your church if you were to think about it. Uh, for example. Out of all the people in your, in your congregation, I'm sure your pastor gets paid more than anybody else, if you have paid clergy at all. Uh, and then, and then the, you know, the, the free meals that he's always invited out for, or the gifts that he receives, and you know, these kinds of things. I think you would see <clears throat> that in most traditional churches, the pastor, to, to some extent, uh, is, is a superstar in his own building and and you'll know it right there, there are ways to test it or, or to see evidence of it uh, when his authority is challenged by somebody else I think you'll see him protecting his superstar status in some way and I'm, I'm saying him because in my context most of the, the preachers or ministers or pastors have always been men um, but I know that's not the case in every denomination t- today necessarily. So you know you can you can fill in the blank with her here as well. I'm not making a a uh, uh, a sexist statement anyway. I think women are just as uh, able to uh, let's just say it to abuse uh, their office as men are. I think it's I don't think it's necessarily. Person, I think it's the office that allows this and actually encourages this kind of um, this kind of tribute or worship or whatever you want to call it. So, so yeah, I, I think in your individual congregation, I think you probably have one or two superstars, and if you have two, uh, there probably is some. Uh, jockeying for a position between the two from time to time. Um, this is what happened with, uh, you know, probably when Paul talks about, you know, one of you say you're of Apollos, another one says you're a Peter or Paul. problem with this is, it ruins the superstars, right? This, this kind of, uh, <clears throat> uh, worship and, uh, reverence can be, and usually becomes at some point in time, a very heavy burden to carry. Uh, because we, we tend to believe that as the, as the, uh, Um, as the pastor goes, so goes the church, right? We tend to put everything on the pastor. So if things are not going well, the pastor's blamed. If things are going right, the pastor's praised. Um, this is generally how it how it works. Um, and that can become a very, very heavy burden, not just on the pastor, but on his family and on his children, uh, and wife, especially. Um, so... There's a human cost to this uh, hero worship that we partake in, Uh, and I think hero worship is probably uh, one of the most uh, natural things about being uh, human that there is. Uh, I think it's quite natural normal and widespread. But I'm going to put this out there, I think it's something to be um, cautious about. I think it's something to be shunned, uh, I think it's something that we need to do whatever we can uh, to not worship our heroes and not put them in those positions uh, to where we can uh, heap heavy burdens upon them. Because the human cost in the end is too great, and I think the human cost is, is uh, twofold. Uh, one is what I talked about, the cost to the pastor himself and his family. Um, the isolation that they can feel being in that position. Uh, but I would also say uh, the, the second human cost uh, are the, the worshipers themselves. I think, uh, I think there's a couple of ways that this can play out uh, to where their hero worship can be bad for them. Number one, heroes always fall. Uh, and we're not talking about a physical defeat such in sports, Uh, generally we're talking about uh, spiritual falls. Um, When you put somebody up on a pedestal the pressure often can lead them into temptations uh, that otherwise they they may not have been led to. Uh, And because of the isolation, they often don't have good counsel or mentors and they can often make very human mistakes, but because of their position, they become uh, uh, superhuman fiascos, right? Um, So, of course, it it, it can be very bad for the people you're worshiping. Uh, But then what happens with the the normal people in the church, uh, who hold their pastor up to such uh, such high esteem, they tend to live vicariously through that pastor and perhaps don't uh, experience spiritual growth themselves, right? They they expect the pastor to be the evangelist, the pastor uh, to make the decisions, uh, the pastor to live the, the good and pure life that they themselves uh, struggle to live, uh, but as long as their pastor whom they support is doing so, they, they feel somewhat justified, uh, or at least um, forgiven, right? So that if I'm supporting that guy over there who's doing a good job, at least maybe that will take, that will bring on a little bit of forgiveness for me, uh, and maybe I won't be blamed as much because I did I did contribute in some way. Even though I was not able to live a, a an upright uh, spiritual life, uh, I contributed to people who did, and therefore perhaps I can be sanctified or justified through that through that experience. And so, hero worship can leave normal people immature, okay, it causes, it helps keep them in a very immature state uh, and not growing into spiritual adults. Uh, and I think we see this all across the world in congregations that are dominated by uh, a pastor. <clears throat> The very presence of a pastor can keep uh, members in spiritual infantism, uh, and the you know continued worship just does the same thing. It causes little or no spiritual growth, um, because the pastors uh, expect to do and to be everything in the congregation. Um, part of that's because they pay them. Well, we pay him to do it, why doesn't he do it? Right? I don't get paid to do it. He gets paid, so why don't he do it? So, yeah, that's that's how that ends up being. Uh, and then also, people can lose their faith when their when they're heroes of faith fall, right? And which also has contributed to the fact that they were uh, spiritual babies who were not equipped to deal with uh, the kind of uh, trauma that, that, that this can cause. You know, so if you can imagine, uh, there, were, there were some people in the 70s and 80s who uh, had huge churches, humongous churches, and who uh, were on TV and who were always in the limelight, uh, and who fell really big. You know, they fell very publicly and and so big to the to the you know to the place where both of them were imprisoned, and you can imagine the number of people who had contributed to, uh, or uh, dare I use the way word worship? Of course I do, because I've already used it. Who would worship these two individuals? To you know, how much did they fall? How how much was their world rocked? And did they ever make their way back to a true faith in Jesus or not? <clears throat> um, so not only can your hero worship cause you not to grow spiritually but it can it, it also puts you in a very precarious position when that person falls um, so what is what's what's the answer right what is the if we're not going to have churches or be in congregations that are driven by uh, pastors or preachers uh, what's What's the alternative? You know, is there an alternative? Um, well, I'm I'm in such a group that strives not to be so driven by a leader. Now, granted, I'm one of the people who founded this group, um, but I I I do a couple things to to keep myself in check. because I think everybody has it within them to desire that kind of worship. and awe. So one of the things I do is I keep things casual. I don't prepare things ahead of time much. I don't preach. Uh, I will, you know, kind of lead Bible studies from time to time, but sometimes I'll just be quiet and just see what everybody else does. I don't feel the need to fight that. Push them out of the nest and, and help them do the same thing that, that my wife and I are doing. Um, and so, you know, by allowing other people to talk, and I mean everybody, by allowing everybody a say in what's going on, uh, I think there's a more gentle, uh, less um, hero driven approach to be found. And I'll say another thing on that, and that is I don't think it's possible without uh, knowing Jesus. I think Jesus kind of did it this way. I don't think Jesus uh, walked around asking people to bow down to him. I don't think he did this at all. Now was he worthy of being worshipped? Of course he was. Of course he was. And he still is. Um, but he didn't desire that. He could have had that without any problem. It would have been very easy for him to attain that, um, but it was not useful. It was not empowering. That kind of of uh, hero manufacturing does not empower people uh, to take part in the process themselves. Right. Um, and I think, I think this, this is what kind of we're seeing, and, and I'm not saying the Celtics are Christian by any stretch of the imagination, I, I really don't know where they are uh, faith-wise, uh, but at least it's a, it's a helpful metaphor, you know, when, when all of the people on the team are pulling and listening and rooting uh, for each other. Um, and allowing other people to take the limelight, uh, from time to time to, to step up, but then being, being ready to contribute themselves too, when they're called upon while everyone's doing what's needed <clears throat> in order for the team to progress, uh, it's just a much better environment for everybody. And of course there's leaders, there's still leadership, but we're talking about the type of leadership. Okay, Are we are we talking about totalitarianism? Are we talking about charisma? right? Or are we talking about uh, leaders who want to equip and empower others uh, so that they can mature in their walk with Jesus? Um, and so I'm going to have to wrap this up. I'm getting close to my destination here. Uh, but I would like to to say that again, and I always keep coming back to this. If you know me, number one, focus on the life of Jesus. Focus on the uh, the uh, the Gospels. Find out who Jesus was, uh, and and you know he's he's not just the truth and the life, but he's also the way. Uh, so he had a way of doing things, and I think you'll find that one of the ways that he did things was to empower people to empower people to rise raise up leaders who raise up leaders. Uh Paul reludes to this to, to this in Second Timothy 2.2. Um so I think focusing on Jesus is important. <clears throat> and the other thing is I think risk is super important. Because to to help to empower other people to, to be leaders <coughs> And I don't mean, again, I mean good leaders. Jesus-type leaders. Uh, there's a lot of risk. You have to risk bad theology coming through. Uh, you have to risk um, putting your your trust into people who are not trustworthy at times. And, and you know, staying with the course. Um, it's a big risk. But I think the reward is, without question, worth it. The reward is worth it. And that is churches who are growing deeper and deeper in their relationship with Jesus and therefore having an impact in the kingdom. Having an impact in the kingdom of God on the earth, uh, and that's always desirable, right? Um, churches are filled with these hero pastors who alone are impacting the kingdom when they could be filled with empowered um, members only without these hero worshipers or her- heroes, um, superstars if you will and uh you know a church filled with uh spirit empowered trusted individuals uh in my book is much more effective in this world and there's a lot to be done in this world there's a lot of pain there's a lot of suffering there's a lot of loneliness and we need this army we don't need we don't need the heroes they they just can't be effective enough we need the army we need everybody and uh yeah i just pray that jesus uh help continue to teach us in this manner. Thanks for listening, as always, and you guys have a great day. Bye-bye.